0: boy 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 woi, then he then go on the radio again. Yo, if you want to smoke free weed, grow bud yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Grow bud yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go bud yourself, grow bud yourself, go bud yourself. If you want to smoke? Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 83 of Grow Bud Yourself in the New Year. We have a great show in store for you guys this week. We have an interview with Adam Dunn. He's been on the show before. Adam from TH Seeds, Hemp Hood Lamb, and uh, much more. We have a great cultivation segment featuring our strain of the fortnight, as well as a grow tip on Sea of Green. This is episode number 83, brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, and Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. Stick around. Episode 83, coming at you. Hey, so if you're looking to grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yields, organic rev is the answer. Rev is safe to use from seed through harvest, and its active ingredients are 100% naturally occurring. Rev is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. Simply adding rev to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. And because it's not a nutrient, Rev can't burn your plants. Growers turn to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve their nutrient uptake and the root zone development, stimulate seed germination, reduce transplant shock, and more. On a personal note, I've been using Rev and it works great. My plants absolutely love it and they respond immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. And now, our listeners can receive 10% off their first order of organic Rev with the promo code GBY10. That's good for 10% off your entire purchase at Organic Rev. So head to OrganicRev.com slash GBY10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back. And as always, thanks to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Uh, we got a great episode. Just want to mention... Uh, we're psyched. We got uh, an advertiser back on the show, Organic Rev uh, Growth Stimulant, and uh, they have a free bottle promo running. Uh, you can get a four-ounce bottle of their growth stimulant for free. Uh, you're just going to pay $5 for shipping and handling. Uh, it makes up to four gallons of powerful organic growth stimulant. So please check out organicrev.com slash GBY10 and get your free bottle uh, and test it out and we really appreciate them coming back in as an advertiser in the new year. So uh, here we are, Mike, episode 83, 2022. How you feeling?
1: Well, I'm happy that 2021 is behind us. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I feel like 2021 was better than 2020. So 2022 has got to be better than that, right?
1: would stand to reason. Yeah, slow progress. I also just have to say, I feel good personally because, you know, I don't know if it was noticeable, but the last couple episodes, my voice sounded a little uh, odd. I was sick for like two months with this just wretched sinus thing. And I did this like really crazy out of the box thing, but I went to the doctor and while antibiotics didn't work and this was just dragging on and on, uh, she prescribed steroids and I feel better already. It's like my first, second day of being on them. And, you know, I I feel like it's improving. And also, uh, I'm getting ripped. (laughs) You're juicing. I'm juicing. See you my pro steroids stance. You
0: might, you might come around now. I'm getting
1: swole in 2022, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Well, there's been some news, I'm sure, uh, in the past fortnight or so, Mm. Uh, and hopefully it's good news. But uh, what do you got for us as far as what's what's happening?
1: Yeah, we could stand a little good news, I guess. Um, well, let, the big news, let's start here with Montana. Um, their legal sales began on January 1st. So on New Year's Day, they kicked off legal sales in Montana. Incredible. Um, yeah. So the program started with 380 dispensaries in 29 counties. And it was announced that they took in a total of $1.5 million over the opening weekend. And now, uh, that figure includes both recreational and medical sales, because dispensaries there are doing both. But officials estimate that most of the $1.5 million came from um, adult-use pot sales. And the reason why this is so interesting is Montana was one of four states, if you remember, that, that uh, legalized cannabis on Election Day in 2020 along with Arizona, New Jersey, and and South Dakota. So um, they actually implemented a retail pot program in just about 13 months. And that's impressive because New Jersey obviously doesn't even have a date for, uh, for a retail sales launch. And as our listeners know, the governor of South Dakota killed the legalization law there. So Arizona was the first to market. They were extremely quick, but now Montana is online. They have their program running and they, they took in one and a half million uh, over opening weekend.
0: Right on. Good for them. Good for Montana. And uh, yeah, some positive news to start the year, you know, and that, that's just in one weekend. Imagine, you know, that multiplied by a year and and you know hopefully we'll see down the road that uh they're making many many millions if not billions
1: I honestly I don't know where you stand on this I I wasn't so sure that Montana was actually going to carry through with this law
0: Yeah it's kind of touch and go it's weird which states you know fight back and and which states wholeheartedly embrace it I mean look at Oklahoma you never would have thought you know that they would just take it and run uh, and then of course, yeah, South Dakota, they actually overturn the will of the voters. I, I've, I just, I can't imagine that that's, that there's people that are okay with that. I, I it's crazy. You know, I, it just seems insane that the governor and a couple of legislators can actually say we know better than the the people and the voters. Uh, I don't like that one at all, but, uh, you know, here in New York, we got, I guess the opt-out process ended, so yeah. that's a good thing. Some 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 townships and cities uh, opted out, uh, and then there, of course there's the ones that didn't, and plenty didn't. So I think that's good bodes well for us here in New York State and City.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Just to wrap up that story, though, that class of 2020, the um, Election Day 2020 states, it it sort of has a little of everything. Big states like, you know, population-wise, like New Jersey, and then, you know, smaller, less pot-friendly states like South Dakota and Montana. Then you have Arizona. It's an interesting class that sort of runs the gamut. But speaking of cannabis cash, uh, a new report from Marijuana Policy Project uh, just announced that Michigan— has taken in two hundred and seventy-one million dollars in tax revenue from adult use sales since that program launched in 2019. Uh, people might remember that voters in Michigan legalized cannabis on election day in 2018, and then retail sales launched in December of 2019. So, two hundred and seventy-one million already in tax revenue. That's great.
0: Good for them. You know, it's a, there's some growing pains there with the medical program and the and the rec situation and the msos and everything it's still all fairly up in the air uh but uh it's good to see that there's money being taken in and that money's going uh towards improving michigan you know they need it and i think it's very helpful and i think it'll go a long way to show people who aren't in the cannabis world that uh that we can help them too
1: for sure and it's nice to have some positive news out of michigan uh, you know, because we were reporting on that, uh, that bizarre recall where the the lab was suggesting that that there was some sort of retribution in play with the government, so mm. this is nice. yes.:
0: Yeah, well, you know th- would you say 300 million? That's not
1: something to shake a stick out right there. Yeah: It's a ton of money, so good for them. And they stood that program up really quickly, also they're kind of putting New York and New Jersey to shame. Uh, okay, so the last story I thought we should just touch on here, I think our listeners know, you and I certainly know, that the government has only allowed one facility in the country to legally grow cannabis for scientific research, and that of course is the legendary University of Mississippi, which has, which has dominated uh, scientific research for 50 years. And the reason that that is important is because all reports indicate that they grow really shitty marijuana there.
0: (laughs) It's true. Every picture that I've seen or video uh, where people have kind of gone behind the scenes into that farm, uh, they have these big, long, stringy plants, and no one knows what they're doing over there. Um, I think they're. You know, better off basically with the seizures that, you know, when they do the testing on stuff that gets seized, right. you know, uh, rather than the stuff that they're growing, because the stuff they're growing is just ridiculously swag. And I've seen it when it's been, you know, dried and, and, and processed too, where, uh, you know, those eight patients, including LV and, uh, uh, several others, out there, You're talking uh, about the
1: federal marijuana uh, medical right. Marijuana they patients. get
0: those cans of joints, right. and you know it's all ground up together—the the the stems and the leaves and the seeds and whatever flower they manage to produce. But uh, that's a swag factory down there, man. It's real bad, and I, I, you know, they'd never, almost never let anybody in there. I can't imagine what kind of horrors, as far as like. You know pests and stuff i mean you're talking about mississippi uh and it's on the campus of the university and you know i've I've actually i've spoken to people who've been there and yeah there's no uh not a lot of redeeming qualities for what they got going on in there (laughs) (laughs) so it's a good thing now they're going to have some
1: competition well yeah the news is that the dea which has restricted uh legal scientific research grows has now allowed two New companies to legally grow cannabis for scientific research. So it's not just the University of Mississippi anymore. There are now three places. So hopefully uh, that that cannabis quality will improve.
0: Maybe maybe the, uh, these other places will hire someone who actually knows what they're doing, and they can actually grow out some decent flower for them to do do their testing with. Because uh, they should be embarrassed by what they produce at that farm, and, and it's probably because. They were the only ones they didn't really have any kind of incentive to improve. And again, all the government tests are meant to show, you know, harms of, of cannabis. So, you know, the, the the swaggy or the better, as far as
1: that goes, you know, it's hopefully now when we say research grade cannabis, it actually uh, has a positive connotation to it, as opposed to what Dan described as a stringy, swaggy, bullshit cannabis, but Fart dust. All right. Well, that is a little bit of a look at what's going on in the world of weed. But uh, we have a really exciting interview coming up for you guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess we've had on before, but we're going to talk about uh, all kinds of other stuff. It's our friend Adam Dunn uh, from TH Seeds and uh, Hemp Hood Lamb and and a bunch of other uh, companies over the years. Hemp Works. uh, Cannabis in Amsterdam, Killer Green Buzz, so many uh, different things. He's been CIA, KGB. Yeah, a guy that's been around for, you know, more than three decades in the cannabis industry uh, in Holland, in Denver and and all around. Uh, Yes. Without further ado, let's uh, take a break and come back with Adam Dunn. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at RocketSeeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast-version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. Hey, all right. Welcome back to Grow Bud Yourself. Uh, we have a special guest for you guys this week. He's been on the show before. I've been on his show before. It's a whole incestuous, crazy situation. But uh, here we are. Uh, it's Adam Dunn. Adam, welcome.
2: Hey, Danny. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, so, love to so, come on your show. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love I love I being on your show work. as
2: well. Do all the work now. It's
0: great. Um, for those that don't know, uh, quickly, I'll go, just go through... Uh, Adam's been involved with cannabis and hemp for uh, over three decades, uh, having arrived in Holland as a fresh faced young American tourist in 1989 and uh, getting involved in the seed business there and growing and and uh, eventually founding uh, CIA and KGB, uh, cannabis in Amsterdam and killer green
2: buds. No, Uh, It was no good
0: bud. Oh, no good
2: buds. No okay, good good No, bud good buds. Of good no with the K. It was, yeah, and it was a good statement because everybody would walk in and go, dude, there's no good weed around here. I could all get better weed at home. And I'd be like, no, we know <laughs> no good weed. You got to talk to
0: us. Right. Come to the right place. Uh, and that leaves us with Hemp Works, the shop uh, in Amsterdam right there uh, in the center of town uh, first where first a lot of people would...
2: In it's a very first yeah. hemp store in Europe, by the way.
0: First hemp store in Europe. And, you know, the first place most people would go and the last place most people would go when they would visit Holland uh, first good, to pick it was up. A good,
2: it was a good in and out spot
0: for sure. Absolutely. Right. You'd get to uh, find out what uh, what all the great new stuff going on was uh, on your way in and then uh, laminate your hash <laughs> on the way out. On the way out. <laughs> exactly. And uh, also co-founder of TH Seeds and Hemp Hood Lamb. Uh, so TH Seeds has been obviously... Uh, at the forefront since the mid '90s of uh, cannabis genetics and uh, multiple award winners in multiple different countries, and Hemp Hoodlam, the jackets that uh, everybody wears with the fake now, now fresh hemp, right now that's fresh uh, hemp Originals.
2: Fresh Hemp Originals is the new day.
0: relaunched as Fresh Hemp Originals, and then uh, mm-hmm. so uh, Adam moved to. Colorado in 2010 from Amsterdam and uh, has been in Colorado ever since. Involved with hemp and cannabis there as well. Uh, so, Adam, tell me, uh, since arriving in Colorado, um, what's the deal with hemp and cannabis over there?
2: Well, you know, it's been it's been an interesting ride. It's like one of those things where I when I move when I moved back, which is in 2010, um, it was two years before uh, they went recreational here in Colorado so there was this bubbling to the surface vibe and it really was pretty magical um you know whenever there's a f- hyper focus on a place like there was in Colorado it it to me it felt so comfortable because I was so used to living in in Amsterdam and where people would come and they'd want to check out you know the scene and then they'd be like reporters coming all the time and wanted to do stories so I was kind of used to that whole thing and, and co- Colorado just became like the next new spy. you know yeah. what I mean it was I call it like big wave surfing for cannabis, right? And this was the waves were here in Colorado. Like they were big in Amsterdam. And then they sort of died out, moved over to here. But as you know, it just keeps spreading everywhere it goes. Look, at, of all places, Oklahoma is now the hot hot new weed place, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the last place you'd ever think. But Colorado is unique because of its, um, you know, the, the ability for, there's a lot of different climates here. We've got, uh, you know, you've got, Western Slope is different than the Front Range. Pueblo is different than Fort Collins. Everything is in, in, within the state. There's a whole bunch of going on. So from a grower's point of view, it's really unique. Um, there's, there's the San Luis Valley, which is the same latitude as Afghanistan. So you've got that whole growing region too. So I've been curious. And when it comes to hemp, I mean, we all watched it rise and we watched it fall, you know, as far as the... Everybody thinking it's the next big thing, but they are all, we're focusing on the wrong thing. They're all focusing on CBD and not on fiber hemp, which I think is going to be the next wave that people figure out is fiber building material. So those will be the big, the big ones, you know, that actually take, it's going to take a lot of infrastructure to get there, but that'll be the one that actually people start growing tens and thousands of acres, which is what I want to see.
0: Yeah. Now by fiber, do you mean like cloth fiber?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fiber. Okay. Fiber building material. The thing about it is, it's the least profitable, right? So, if you're coming at it from a profit-driven point of view, which most people are, the fiber is is really only when you get to the level that you're producing enough that you can can produce that in any kind of scale. Um, whereas, like you know, CBD, which is what most people were going for, cannabinoids, CBD, CBG, CBN, all these different cannabinoids, that's what people focused on. So once you do, once you have everybody focusing on the same target, you're guaranteed to have a, uh, a market drop, which is what pretty much happened. Right. Right. And now what are your thoughts on, you know, other
0: minor cannabinoids, uh, you know, uh, CBN and, and THC, A and V and things like mm-hmm. that as sort of a new frontier yeah.
2: in hemp extraction. It is. I mean, the cool part about it is we're, Every time we get to a certain level, we feel like we've, oh, we've, we've maxed out, you know, we're, we're at the top of the pinnacle of this. And then all of a sudden the next big thing happens because there is, you know, hundreds of like constituents within the plant that haven't been really pulled out yet. And so I think with the miners, like for instance, CBG was very promising just from a few points of view, like one of them being that it produces uh, or it helps um, facilitate bone growth. I thought was huge. You know what I mean? And you think about aging population and the ability for them to get CBG into their diet and having the, you know, maybe pushing back osteoporosis or, or, or some other conditions. And also the fact that it's, it's, um, you know, people always think of, of cannabinoids as being effective for, for, uh, you know, like, Individual conditions, but there's some that are just blanket everything. Like CBD is great; it's an overall um,
1: uh, well, it's uh, anti-inflammatory,
2: and that is number one. Uh, probably, like the number one issue that people have, and they don't realize it because you know everybody thinks the that it's it's only when you can see it, but it's <laughs> inflammation starts you know at a cellular level, right? So it's it's pressure within the system, and so the the fact that something like CBD can help. And I feel like that's one of those missing, missing cannabinoids in the, in, in the world that we have been deprived of. And that's probably why we have so many, uh, you know, health conditions that are super easy to address. It's just a matter of preventative sort of medicine. And that's kind of where I think a lot of those minors are going to help out where people don't realize it because it's been out of our diet for so long, reintroduce that. And we may see a huge reduction in, you know, chronic conditions that people feel are, are like totally on you know can never ever be addressed but reality is someone that i love about cannabis is it's, it's literally it hits every fucking bell and whistle you know so
0: yeah for sure um and as far as building materials that's an interesting one and i know uh you know ben and alan dronkers uh who actually i guess you know you originally worked with it's that bosses, yeah, the seeds the right, right there, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they've been working on that for years with hemp flax uh now do you see that as being uh something viable for the future oh yeah
2: uh, yeah 100% i mean i don't know if you remember but at our store we had um we had hempcrete walls at the at the hemp works. and when we built those you know it was really like an education into the whole idea of it because we we went out to the we went out to out of Pekela where their fields were they had piles of hemp herds just sitting there we loaded up a truck brought them back to the town started to get you know getting lime and mixing it up and putting creating these uh these hemp walls and you know at the time we didn't even realize like how amazing this product was but over years it's like it got harder and harder That's what's great about it it has it has that uh fireproof quality to it i mean hemp is really interesting just as as, when it comes to the building material side of it all it's the, the the parts that are the most interesting are the ones that probably the industry hates the most, which is it's super easy to do. You don't need a lot of tools for it. It takes very minimal amount of effort compared to all other building styles, because you're basically creating a mold and pouring it into the mold and just packing down and getting the air out of it. And then just like letting it dry and take that mold off and move the mold over to the next one. So literally two people could build a whole house on their own with very minimal amount of tools. Um, couple pieces of wood, you know what I mean? And a cement mixer and you're good to go. So that that's one of the things I don't, of course, you know, when you start looking at how housing, you saw the fire that was happened out here in Colorado just recently, a thousand plus homes burned down and some of them burned down in like less than an hour. And with hempcrete, you could literally put a torch on that for hours and hours and hours. It will never burn. You know what I mean? It just does not burn. So imagine if those houses were built out of hempcrete, we would have you know, maybe they would have lost part of the structure, but they wouldn't have lost the structure itself, you know, and now they're just like burnt to nothing, burnt to like just ash because mm-hmm. they pulled them all out of wood, you know, and I think it's like it's crazy when you're in Europe and you see how they, they very rarely build houses out of wood in Europe. It's very rare. It's mostly it's mostly brick and metal, and, you know, concrete and they kind of think along those lines, whereas in the States, it's you see whole neighborhoods going up all wood. You know what I mean? It's like fire hazard. Plus all the building materials are, are toxic. A lot of them too. You know, if there was a fire that smoke that comes off of those things, so toxic, you know? And so the thing about hemp is non-toxic, you know, hypoallergenic on its own. it, all, it hit, Again, hits every single bell and whistle you'd want it to hit, which I love. And the thing is, when you start talking about building materials, everything's in tonnage. There's no like Oh, give me six of those. It's like, I need 200 tons more, you know? So it's just like the, the volume would be huge, which means we need to grow more hemp, which then means, you know, we're producing more oxygen. And it's just like kind of the whole, the whole, that's why I feel like when you start growing tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of acres, now you're making a big deal. You know what I mean? Whereas when we grow like an acre or 10 acres, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's just not nearly like, the, you know, the amount of, um exchange that you would have on a 10,000 acre field.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's interesting also that, you know, it's back to the the past. It's like uh, the hemp industry that I got involved in and you got involved in, in the mid nineties mm-hmm. was all about fiber and even seed uh, and yeah. in, in a lot of instances. And, uh, they were, CBD. You know, we didn't, yeah, we didn't have any idea about CBD or Delta, 8, or Delta 8. 8, which is even worse. It's like Delta 8. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, it, in a legal cannabis landscape, there's no, there's no reason for Delta 8. It's Delta 8 is a way around the rules, right? I mean,
2: it's just PHCO. Like what do you think about that?
0: I, I don't know enough about it at this point. I mean, I think, uh, it, I think all of these sort of derived, you know, cannabinoids where there has to be some type of a processing to somehow bring it to as close as you can get to THC. It's just strange. I mean, we have THC, we have uh, those things. And so to me, those are just workarounds Mm -hmm. until uh, legality
2: arrives. And So, you know, for a place like... The funny part is is they're all scared of THC, like it's something bad or something. It's like, God, guys, you do realize that when you create Delta-8 and people smoke that, it's probably going to be worse for them overall than if they just smoked the natural molecule the way it was meant to be. Because when you put, just to get it to that phase, it has to go through quite a lot. It's like, and so they're, you know, it's not, it's no longer... medicine that we really wanted you know what i mean so i i'm not a very big fan of of conversions like that right because the funny thing is is if they make by making it harder for us they force us to they force the hand of doing this like we wouldn't even have to waste our time creating delta eight like you said if there was delta nine was just the normal it wasn't wasn't treated as if it was like spent uranium or something that's what that's what pisses me off is like the idea that we have to like uh, you know, say you harvest a plant in this room and you want to transport it to that room, and you gotta like fill out a manifest and you know what I mean, just to move it from A to B like it's something dangerous or something. You're like, come on, guys. It should only be like whatever goes out the door needs to be manifested. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Okay, yeah, it's transporting from A to B. Okay, I understand. But when it's going from like room to room and they're like, whoa, we gotta they, you you really see how cannabis has always been kind of create a fake, there's like a fake um uh danger attached to it which has never been duly uh you know has never has never deserved it that's for sure yeah absolutely i mean the
0: the distinction between cannabis and hemp ultimately is just some line drawn in mm-hmm. the sand mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a level of thc some people say 0. 0.5 0. 0.05 i mean it's just an arbitrary number well and also uh,
2: the thing is we're also looking at like you know, it's, it's about volume too, right? If you grow a field of hemp, even if it's low THC, you, you end up with THC, like you'll end up, you know what I mean? If you want to take the time to go through it all and collect it out and separate everything properly, there's always a way, you know what I mean? So there's never like the cat, the genie or the cat's out of the bag. You're never going to get it back in. You might as well accept the fact that, you know, let us, let us just produce the cleanest medicine possible is really the key and by not throwing up all these roadblocks, we would have done that. You know what I mean? We would never even wasted our time trying to come up with a alternative method to uh, produce it. But I think also THC, like you were saying about V and CBDV and all of those are going to be the, to me, those are like the real magic, interesting cannab- minor cannabinoids that are going to, that, that I think that those are the difference between, good weed and bad weed a lot of times you know what i mean like like oh wow what the hell was that you know what i mean and it's just that has that other constituent because everything has thc most most of the thing oh that's the funny thing is that yeah their fear
0: is thc and we've gotten to the point where we're looking for next uh terpenes (laughs) other Mm -hmm. cannabinoids uh flavonoids Mm -hmm. other elements that uh that make that THC interesting because THC on its own, uh, pure is, is rather boring, uh, without it's like Marinol, right. Without the accompaniment of these other, uh, things. I think, um, Todd McCormick says that Lester Grinspoon said that it's not so much the entourage effect as the ensemble yeah, yeah, effect. So right. it's, it's, it's not one star with a bunch of hangers on, mm-hmm. but an orchestra. Sure. Uh, performing and oh, so if oh, there's oh. a certain
2: amount of thc no, I, think, I think they're both pretty good descriptions in the sense of kind of have to consider thc to be the big boy in the sure you the need room. a certain amount of it right i think that's yeah. the most crucial whereas all the other ones work with it but yeah i get it i mean it's I'm sure if you talk to an orchestra, they all think they're the most important. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everyone knows it's the triangle, base. this thing would never work.
0: Everyone knows it's the stand up bass, right? But uh, yeah, so also, you know, you, you're also the, the host of the Adam Dunn show, and you guys recently had a huge milestone a million views. Yeah. that's amazing it
2: took us nine years of uh i hey. was we were laughing we we're like yeah so if you did like a tiktok video you might have a million views in like two hours or something like <laughs> that you know I mean, but, but thus it was nine years of excruciating pain Now it was all it was all fun all well, fun you know, all
0: the way through and you guys of, you know, i mean you've really gotten to the bottom of some mysteries of the bottom real I mean, we, we, we folklore you know we where we you've bottom gotten bottom. you know you've took, taken strains and and pulled the strings and
2: found you know because you know there's the, it's interesting because there's a lot of pushback, um, on those shows because everybody, of course, knows better, right? I mean, it's one of those. So, so luckily enough. When I was in Amsterdam, I was lucky to be able to talk to a lot of people that probably would never talk to anybody else because they, you know, they got to Amsterdam. They finally felt that they could talk to somebody about what they were doing back home because, A, I'm not, I'm not around the corner from them. I'm not competing with them in any way, shape, or form. And I'm also, you know, they, they, they're, their secret is safe with me, right? So I got to meet all the players over the years coming through. And, you know, it, it really made it interesting to do the show because as I'm doing the show, I can really, like – fall back on a lot of those those original contacts you know um but when it comes to the strain things it's fun because i'm learning my say myself because you know we always threw we always threw kind of like uh red herrings out there when it was came to breeding and and seeds and and also when it came to like just production like very rarely did you know who produced what, when, where, and how, because everybody was kind of, it was all a lot of smoke and mirrors. Now everybody wants the opposite. They want all of the attention to be on them, right? I, I was the one. I did that. And so what's fun is like, for instance, Sour and OG and Hayes, those three things are like all so convoluted on their stories but at the same time it's not too long ago when we can talk to all the major players still they're still around so just getting to those stories has been really fun because you know some people will never agree we know that this is the way it is they're they're locked in their ways but i think we've got a chance to educate people but also ourselves you know and i've been like wow like those shows where i was like went home driving home going like wow i'm so glad we got another layer of that onion, you know, because like with the Kush story, you know, Alec Anderson, I never heard of him. I knew, I knew Matt Berger and I knew, you know, I knew all the players after that fact, right? So, but then I met Alec and Alec explained to me what happened before all that. And that was like, oh, well, this is great. Now I'm getting even deeper back. And then Alec got to meet up with TK Origin and TK Origin got to enlighten him on the pre-story to his story, you know what I mean? So it's been really cool. It's like, I think it's a kind of a needed thing too, because we're, we're getting so quickly down the rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, that the people behind those things, they deserve a little bit of recognition,
0: of course. Oh, it's hugely valuable resource because again, this is folklore. Uh, A lot of it's been passed down and handed down generation to generation names changed. Uh, You know, it's like a game of telephone at, at this point. Yeah. uh some of these things and so to clarify it while people are still alive while people you know some of yeah. them um mm-hmm. but that story you know the bunker story
2: uh yeah, and and like those ones were dead ends in the sense of they didn't answer the story about kush but they opened up a whole other a whole other bit of 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 the story which was cool because you know it, and it, and it's also like the the debunking of some of the stories is just as important as getting the story, you know, because that's the only way you're gonna do it, right? You gotta work from from the backwards forward. Um yeah, we've been we've been uh trying and we've been what we've been doing lately has been kind of trying to branch out more into psychedelics too, because we feel like that's the next wave that's about to hit. And on top of that, it's also like from an educational point of view, it's just as important, if not more important, because it's such an extreme, like there's less known In the world, it feels like, you know, cannabis seems like we've gotten to the bottom of a lot of stuff in the last 10 years, right? I mean, we really, there was a time when we're like, no one knows why we get high, (laughs) you know what I mean? And now we're like, we got it way down. We got more than that down, you know what I mean? To the point of almost, it's sad because I like the mystery part, you know, it's nice when you didn't know much, but with psychedelics, I feel like there's a whole world of that. There's so much unknowns. And so we do once a month, we do a psychedelic episode, um, and, uh. It's been pretty cool. We we were at Meow Wolf, which is uh, an interactive space here in Denver. We went and did one of our shows there. Um, we've had, uh, you know, uh, Del Potter, who's who's uh, integral in a lot of the old uh, uh, mushroom cultivations from back in the day, and just yeah, it's been really interesting. So we've been kind of focusing on that, and then you know, just trying to stay stay relevant, right, in the world in the world of psychedelics and cannabis. It's,
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly is the next frontier. Do you see similarities where uh, people are taking credit for certain strains of of, uh, psilocybin or certain uh, formulas of LSD? Like, what what, do you see similarities there?
2: It's starting to happen. I mean, the thing is, I believe, you know... The different animals, I think the, I think cannabis is more ego driven because if you are in psychedelics, you better have shattered that ego a long time ago or else, you know, you might have some problems. You don't want to be the same. Whereas cannabis, it doesn't have that same thing. You know, cannabis almost seems like it pumps people's egos up sometimes too much. Right. I mean, like. Get a bunch of people in the room. You're like, how are these heads all in the same room together? Their heads are so big. (laughs) Like, there's no way they can get them all in this little tiny room, right? Um, Whereas psychedelics, I feel like people are way more uh, chill when it comes to that. And people are less credit-driven. Also, because of the fact that it's not quite there yet, you know what I mean? Now, with cannabis, even though it's not federally legal... I mean, in the in the minds of the people, it's legal at this point, right? I mean, we're all no one's shocked if they smell weed hardly, you know what I mean, unless you're in some really obscure spot. But for the most part, I feel like we've gotten past the stigma. And that was the thing about living in Amsterdam, is the locals because you know how when you were there, like the Dutch didn't really like weed very much, right? They were not big weed people. It's always you you damn tourists getting all you know, and and whereas in America it's the opposite. Like I feel like the States has always been very pro-cannabis. They just weren't allowed to weren't allowed to do it. You know what I mean? Whereas in Holland, they were totally allowed to be pro-cannabis. They just didn't like it. They don't have they never <laughs> never did like money. They don't like weed.
0: That's why when we when people like us got over there, we were so excited to oh, yeah flaunt it is because oh my gosh you know finally somewhere it's accepted but then at the same time the local you know especially the young young people
2: wasn't, wasn't vibing it at all they were just right. like you guys are weird like they're you like, guys, that's like, for tourists right and you're like oh <laughs> uh-huh? like what's wrong with you guys but at uh, the, the end of the day I, and what's funny about that though is you'll get dutch tourists who will come to america and now that it's they come here and because they're out of their own little element now oh, you know what I will try one. Of th- I will try one of these. And then they get so high because it's not mixed with tobacco that they're just like, what? And then, you know, it's like, they understand, then they get it. Oh, that's why you guys were always so over the top when you're there. You know, mm-hmm. like how many times you've been like rolling a joint in Holland and you're putting hash in it and they're like looking at you like you're saying, you're like, dude, what are you crazy? I'm putting more. I'm going <laughs> to, I need more. in there. You know? Right. Well, speaking of hash, uh,
0: uh, Hempworks was also a a big hub for people to learn about uh, bubble hash, ice water extraction, ice wax, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you guys were very much right there uh, at the forefront of that revolution as well.
2: Yeah, I think anybody who's involved with cannabis at a certain moment—if they really like the weed, if they're not, you know, if they're into smoking weed, then you're trying to always trying to figure out how to get the most effect and concentrate it the best, and when I started making, I started making hash around 93 dry sieves, like before, before Mila had her bags and stuff. And it was just like, you know, we were making dry sieve. And there was a time when I was sitting there making hash, thinking to myself, like, I'm probably one of only a a handful of people in the world that even, you know, are doing this. And then now it's, it's evolved into a gigantic industry. Right. So it's kind of cool to think back to the, CIA days when I was, you know, making my little laminates and then I literally had a piece of wood, like I had a railroad tie turned on its side and I had leather punches and I was punching out those little, i was making pogs. I was making cannabis pogs out of the hash, little little hash pogs, you know, and I was sitting there like a cobbler, you know, going like, I am a hash artist. I'm an artist. You know, and I, I coined the phrase in my mind, like I'm an artist, hash artist. And then now it's a thing, you know what I mean? And now it's like, what? The thing that I was joking about is not a thing <laughs> <laughs> right it's, and the trichome cool.
0: challenge as well i mean that was way ahead of its time too i mean packing a bowl of just dry sift
2: you know yeah on it, had that, it had that like you know how you know how when you when you smoke dry sift just heads it's so expansive right it's like it and you don't really feel it going in it's after it's in your lungs and it explodes right so i always loved watching people. Explode. <laughs> so, so I'd be like, Yeah, here, let me let's, it's just a tenth of a gram. You gotta the key to the whole the trichrome challenge was you had as much time in the world as you wanted to to get the smoke to the top of that bong, right? But once you inhaled it, you had to hold like that was it. It was a one shot deal. So you could like take your time and get it all up there, fill that whole chamber, then to give yourself a second, take a deep, you know, exhale, then take it in. And then we had a um, we had rules, which makes, you know, once you're Once you got rules of smoking, you know, it's getting serious, right? So then it was a a 10 second hold. So you had to hold it for 10 seconds, kind of like weightlifting almost. It was like, hold it 10 seconds. And then after 10 seconds, you could exhale, but then you had to retain your composure for the remainder of a minute. So 50 seconds, no drooling, no snots, no coughing, no nothing. And so no bodily fluids could leave your body pretty much. (laughs) is the way we looked at it. And uh, we were videotaping the whole thing so we could go back and replay and do slow motion and get in the and also we get the sweats like i usually like to zoom in and get the sweats because you after that hit you'd see the sweat kick in that was great anyway we had we had hours and hours and hours and hours of tapes unfortunately we had a fire Ugh. fucking lost all those tapes so we had woody willie we had all the players oh we i think on. i remember being filmed for it and, and, oh, and i don't think i
0: passed the challenge either so you've got, you got in in some there. blackmail material there uh, we some, uh, you guys uh, also pioneered the, uh, the, uh, the leaf blower leaf blower technology, <laughs> uh, packing, you know, like a pound of weed into a leaf blower and just I like noticed, destroying noticed, the whole noticed, room.
2: Um, yeah, you know, it, the, the leaf blower was also like literally a, um, you know, every year for, the thing I loved about the cannabis cup coming to Amsterdam every year, once a year was that we had a whole year to think of the next one. You know what I mean? Whereas once like, Once it hit, once they had to start having cups in the States, it was like, oh, the Cali cup, then there's Colorado cup, then there's Oregon cup, then there's, you know, so you kind of lost that ability to, to give yourself that whole year of thought. Right. And so that, so like the day after the cup, I would think, oh, let's see what we can do for next year. And so I had an idea. Um to make this to basically take a, cause you know, everybody had those electric pipes back in the day and I always thought they were cool, but I was like, looking at this leaf blower going, well, that's just a big version of that. Right. So we could do that. So I had a ceramic bowl made, um, I had a guy, I went to this ceramic guy and I told him what I wanted and basically made like a giant chillum with a built-in screens kind of at the bottom. So I could replace, I could stick them into the tube and, and then I could take them out and have two or three of them ready to go. Um, we, uh, we did the first one at the milk bag, which you were there. I'm 100% sure, right? And you're definitely oh, yeah. there. That one is fun to watch just because um, we never tested it, right? That was like, we just like literally built it the night before and like brought it there and had it all set up. And if you watch the video, there's a, there's a moment in time where, okay, I put like 30 grams of hash in there on top of all the wheat. And that hash just, if you know anything about putting hash in bowls, that shit flames up big like and it's like burning oil right so it's so i put that in there and that was a little over the top and you watch the video and there's a point where i'm just like this is about to burn the fucking place down. i better like slide her back you know so i kind of pull the unit back but it was uh it was fun and that was to me that was just the way to 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 contribute to the to the party you know what i mean because i feel like the cannabis cup one of the keys of it all was that I tried to be I tried to bring humor into it every year because I felt like people were starting to take it a little bit too seriously. Like, okay, guys, this is weed we're talking about. (laughs) Let's not take ourselves too fucking seriously because it became, as you know, it became quite cutthroat as far as like, you know, the the amount of energy that people put in, but they also tried, but without it just like wasn't socially Uh, they weren't social about it. They were more like ram it down your throat kind of idea. And so my idea was just like, hey, how can I share my weed with everybody? You know what I mean? And without having to hand out little bits of weed. And I was like, we'll just do it this way. It worked out well. uh, We'll blast it right into their face. (laughs) And I got to meet people over the years, which was really cool that were in the audience. Just like random times so where they would be like they'd be like you know i was in the audience that time and i was like oh yeah how was that they're like no oh, dude it was the most amazing thing in my life like it was like their cheech and chong moment you know what i mean <laughs> to experience it, and the video that's online just to show you how unprepared we were we didn't have anybody filming we didn't even think about it we we're the film that's online is just from somebody randomly in the in the audience wow. so that made it even co- more cool like imagine if because we were just so lame about documenting what we were doing even though we were doing all sorts of crazy shit but you know, the, the, the leaf blower kind of evolved. Um, there's another video actually, it was funny cause we, we did a sound check for Snoop Dogg. If you go on YouTube, you look up THC's leaf blower Snoop Dogg. And then like, it's the new and improved version of it. Cause the first one was just flopped on the ground. It's, the second one was like gimbaled so I could like aim it, you know, where we needed to get. <laughs> and we tested, we did a test run at the Milkveg um, during sound check and blew the entire fucking place out. Management came down. We're like, there's smoke up in our offices, three floors up, you know? I mean? yes. So we didn't get to, do, and they were like, you can't do this. We're like, why Snoop dog? I mean, of course you could do this. Right. And they're like, no, this is an all ages show. <laughs> if you guys knew this, we will be in so much trouble. And I was just like, shit, we missed the opportunity, but it would have been fun, but we did get it. I mean, the video online is great. Cause you can watch it. It's one ounce and we, that one ounce, amazing amount of smoke came off of that, like an amazing amount. Just like whole Yeah.
0: Way. yeah. I mean, I was at a party in Denver at the hood lab where you did it. And uh, again, I think it was inside of a tent. And <laughs> that was another one that uh, will go you down know, in, in history.
1: I, I remember actually um, the the year that we weren't allowed to have weed at the Melquig, and you guys had it ready to go. And I just remember running around like begging people, please, please don't do the <laughs> weed blower, please. you're gonna get me arrested i
2: probably didn't listen listen, did i no you guys did it yeah yeah it was was (laughs) and you're still alive you're still still alive. it all worked out yeah well listen
0: thank you so much Uh, i want to uh stick around because i want to do a quick uh, video with you for our patreon page uh, where we're going to talk about if you were going to grow to win an award or, or let's just say not to win an award, but just for your own personal head stash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll just go through real quick, just a couple of minutes of, of how you would grow, uh, for your head stash. Uh, yeah. but Adam, just want to say thank you so much, uh, for being on the show again and, uh, for having me on your show. If anybody <laughs> wants to check out, uh, some Danko rants, uh, Ooh, check out our new year's, Eve. check out That's the, the new year's. Eve, Actually a lot of poetry. Some poetry, some drops.
2: Yeah, you had some good ones.
0: A lot of interesting uh you can go and watch uh the full twelve hours of or more of the Adam Dunn show uh New Year's Eve special, uh, which is amazing. I mean, they had Cheech and Chong and Ed Rosenthal and um a bunch of amazing guests on that show. But uh thank you so much, Adam, for uh appearing again on Grow Bud Yourself. Happy New Year and uh good luck with your show today as well.
2: Yeah, thanks, Danny. Thanks, Mike. Anytime, I'm always willing to come on, and I'll definitely hope you're going to come back on my show soon. <laughs> of course. We will be back with the cultivation
0: segment of Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about sweet leaf plant nutrients. Sweet leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers, and of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S U I T E L E A F.com. The code DANCO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients, as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, You'll get access to additional codes worth twenty and even twenty-five percent off. Patreon supporters also receive free SweetLeaf nutrients just for signing up. SweetLeaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DENKO15. fifteen. All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you to Adam Dunn. Uh, for the enlightening interview and chat Uh, we are in the cultivation segment it has been at least a fortnight so therefore
1: (laughs) and yes this is a fortnight and yes this is a fortnight strain Strain of the fortnight what do you got for us uh, what do you got for us this week strain Strain of of the fortnight
2: STRAIN
1: OF THE Fortnite. Oh man, I love hearing that song. Uh, thank you, Gunja Gonzalez, for creating it for us. And it, of course, signifies that it is time for Strain of the Fortnight. So what do you have for us this fortnight?
0: Yes, so here's an interesting one. We've never had this one and uh, and it's it's got its haters and it's got its lovers. Uh, But it's Papaya Punch. It's from uh, Jungle Boy's, actually, originally uh, bred by Crossing Papaya with Purple Punch. Um, So it definitely is going to have that dark purple tint to it. It's going to have the sweet candy flavor uh, that you get from Purple Strains. Uh, Very calming, indica-dominant high. Uh, Very calming, I would say, like... um, You know, and if you love fruity, you know, fruity and cheesy kind of flavors, um, as far as dominant terpenes, uh, caryophyllene, linalool, that kind of stuff, uh, sweet and fruity with some, just a tang, a little bit of tang to it too, um, then papaya punch is the one not racy at all, not, uh, you know, not elevating or electric, but very much, uh, You know, fruity, the same as, you know, grape ape and and certain strains like that. Like if you're into the candy flavor, uh, it does have a little bit of lift at the top. Like it's not fully 100% indica. It's definitely an indica dominant hybrid. Um, And people, as far as patients go, I mean, the averages of THCs are usually, uh, THC level is usually between 20 to 29 or so percent. Um, so depending on who grew it and how well. Uh, but the effect is almost always very calming. Good for insomnia, uh, stress, PTSD, uh, depression for sure, chronic pain, uh, body pain. It's basically couch lock weed um, that's sweet with a just a little bit of tang or spice at the end. Um, and a little bit of that cheese as well. So the sweet cheese kind of thing. Uh, so you'll see... Bright green nugs, furry orange hairs, and then like a purple leaves kind of surrounding all of it. Um, Very pretty and, uh, you know, a little bit slightly controversial because some people are all about the gas and this is not the gas at all. Uh, Very tropical. Uh, But I love it. You know, Papaya Punch, great daytime uh, strain if you don't have a lot to do that day. So uh, there it is, Papaya Punch. Uh, It's bred by Jungle Boys, but... A lot of different dispensaries have it and, uh, you know, in varying degrees of quality of how well it's grown. So keep that in mind. Not every purple punch you get out there is a great example of the strain, uh, but if it's done right, it can be fantastic. So uh, for fruit and berry lover, uh, you know, that terp kind of profile for for patients with insomnia and pain uh, and stress, which I think are all patients. <laughs> uh try the papaya punch give it a shot and uh you know if you want to calm body high uh look no further than papaya punch from the jungle boys
1: nice and not everything has to be gassy there could be a little variety out there in our lives so there you go
0: yeah i, I are you feeling gassy is that why you yes
1: <laughs> yeah I need the beano um but yeah, so a non-gassy strain that's always a, a welcome. So, good variety there. Check that out and uh our listeners know that uh the Dan likes to give a grow tip that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So, what would you like to discuss this week?
0: Yeah, so this week I want to talk about sea of green growing or SOG uh for short. Not to be confused with screen of green, which is a different thing. Scrogging is different from sogging, so to speak. Uh, but sea of green is a method um, that came to our attention in, I guess, around the 90s. I'm sure people were doing it earlier, but, but as far as the public was concerned, uh, there was a guy named Hans and a few other people who popularized this method of growing Um, which at the time is quite controversial, to be honest, because you're growing more plants uh, and crowding them together. And, you know, the laws basically exponentially get worse the more plants you grow. And then, of course, federally, anything over 99 plants uh, kicks in as a federal offense. Um, So Sea of Green is not without its controversy. Um, And there's pros and cons, obviously, to growing it uh, with uh, the biggest con, Being, you know (laughs) the penalties uh for doing so uh but at the same time uh if you're willing to do the extra work um you can get a, a fully extra harvest or even sometime in some cases two harvests or you can utilize sea of green in a perpetual harvesting type system um so that you're just constantly harvesting so uh the pros are there's great yields um there's not a lot of effort in, in, in training. Uh, it's a very quick cycle. So, uh, if, if a lot of things can go wrong when you're growing over a longer period of time. So you're cutting down, uh, the amount of time that bad things can happen, pests, mold, and things like that. Um, and you can grow different strains at the same time because, uh, you know, when they're crowded together like that, uh, it's not as big of a deal if one's taller and one's shorter because uh, of the shorter veg time. So as you may have deduced, uh, you're going to have a very short veg time, if almost any, uh, when you're growing in sea of green. So uh, it's harder to do this with seeds just because of the timing. Um, so typically what people will do is they will root their clones, uh, put them into their containers, veg them for you know basically a week, maybe two weeks tops, and... Uh, and then start the flowering process. So, you know, rather than winding up with, you know, three and a half to four foot plants, they wind up with one and a half to two foot, uh, you know, two and a half or so foot plants, but they're crowding these plants together. So there's more plants in less of a space. You're cutting uh, s- several weeks, if not a month, off of your vegetative time uh, by doing this, um, but you're doing more work. So accessing, the plants that are in the back uh, watering and, and, you know, it's more time consuming to do this. Uh, but if you growing indoors and you have a three month cycle, for instance, uh, where you've got a one month veg and a two month flower, uh, if you cut two weeks off that veg time, you can practically give yourself an extra harvest per year. And instead of four harvests per year, you can have five harvests per year. Uh, if you're employing the sea of green method and that's in the same footprint and the same amount of space um, using the same amount of you know light and for the most part and nutrients and everything else. So uh, an extra harvest a year is nothing to scoff at, but it is the extra work that you're going to be doing as well. So um, other cons, uh, we mentioned plant limits. That's huge, uh, depending on where you live, uh, but certainly on a federal level, anything over ninety nine. Um, and, uh, when plants are, 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 are together, uh, and close together like that, uh, you just, there's less airflow. So you're going to have to make sure that, uh, you got good air circulation, uh, take care of any issues with humidity, um, air pockets and things like that. But, um, like in a tent, for instance, uh, sea of green is a great option because you may or may not have a lot of space uh, vertically, uh, and you may not want to have that extra veg time, uh, to train the plants around. And you may also just, uh, you know, want to use smaller containers and less soil mix and have less problems with, uh, plants becoming root bound. So, um, there are benefits to sea of green and, uh, particularly for home growers. I think, um, You know, it's something to consider rather than growing one or two plants in your four by four tent. uh, You can grow, let's say, nine or or 12 plants uh, and shorten that veg time, shorten the amount of time that something can go wrong. And then at the same time, harvest quicker uh, and get those five harvests a year instead of four. Um, And then if you're doing perpetual, same thing, you're taking a clone, uh, rooting it. Uh, moving it into the next uh, section basically on a week-to-week basis, uh, and you really don't have much time to veg uh, in a perpetual system. You're really just, uh, you know, and that's another benefit too because you're using less nutrient. Uh, You almost don't have to buy a lot of vegging nutrients. You're really going to be using almost entirely flowering nutrient uh, for most of the grow. So um, that is my take on Sea of Green. Uh, Shout out to all the pioneers who, you know, uh, pioneered the method. Uh, I'm certainly not claiming any credit. Uh, I learned about it from the DVDs and the articles back in the day. Uh, And, you know, it was definitely more risky back then, a lot less risky now. And then also, if you put it on a smaller scale, uh, like most of us in a tent, uh, then, you know, you really don't have to worry about it. You're just considering the extra work. So, That is my take on Sea of Green. And uh, there you have it.
1: All right, there we have it. Sea of Green growing. That is the grow tip here for episode 83. And uh, it is that time now where we take some questions from our loyal listeners. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. Uh, That is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we jump right in?
0: Let's take some questions.
1: All right, great. So let's start with D Man. And he writes uh, Hey, guys, I'm still digging your show after many years of growing. I have a couple questions for you. Uh, first, when it comes to growing outdoors, do organic fertilizers and other nutrients by well known companies create the same end results? I've been told that higher priced newts are processed differently. And are more refined, so plants can absorb them and respond quicker with better results. Also, will using different additives produce more trichomes and denser buds? So why don't we take that question and then come back for his uh, his second one?
0: Okay. Um, as far as growing outdoors uh, or inorganic organic fertilizers, uh, you know, there's di- all different types of fertilizers and different companies out there, um, and there's time-release things, Fertilizers, And then there's uh, fertilizers that are processed f- to be uh, absorbed much quicker by your roots. So, and that's what I think you're differentiating between. Uh, and I think when you're talking about well-known companies, maybe you're talking about uh, Miracle Grow and Scott's and that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of those products are not cannabis specific and they're very much across a broad spectrum of uh, nutrients. So there's nitrogen, there's phosphorus, there's potassium, but not necessarily in the uh, ratios that are best for cannabis. And also at the same time, you know, they do have organic products, but what can be certified as organic these days um, isn't necessarily all that great. Uh, so the higher price nutrients that are processed uh, differently and more refined um, in the end, you know, they're probably going to end up being better, uh, uh, more earth friendly. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately if you're growing outdoors at the end of the day, you want to have it. So you're adding as, as little nutrient as possible. You want a living soil, you want to have, uh, worms and, and, and beneficial bugs and bacteria and, and, uh, mycelium and all of that happening within your organic, uh, soil beyond organic living soil and uh using less and less inputs over time just adding organic material compost um things like that on top um so you know the what what you're really looking for when you're growing outdoors is is not using a lot of nutrients at all not having to use any inputs uh and and only sort of dealing with that when you're when you have some type of a deficiency so improving the soil is the end goal as far as different additives uh produce more trichomes and denser buds i mean there's lots of things including you know pgrs which we've talked about on the show plant growth regulators um, that are you know both synthetic and natural uh they you know there's pros and cons obviously natural ones like kelp are are great Uh, chemical ones that are used for things like poinsettias um, to keep them nice and short and stocky that those don't belong in cannabis and that's not for a consumable product that's for uh ornamental flowers uh so you know there's that's something to consider if you're get if your plants are getting enough sun and and fresh air and nutrients and water uh then they they will grow nice and dense if you've got the right genetics uh and dense isn't necessarily always the best thing anyways these days i mean uh a nice uh sativa might not be super dense but could can be an amazing plant and especially grown outdoors so i would say uh you know try to use as little nutrient and additives as possible at the end of the day when growing outdoors and trying to be organic
1: and of course always flush
0: um yes whether it's organic or not definitely flush you know the last week or two at least
1: Alright, and he has uh, one more question here, and, uh, you know, you, I think people might know, if they don't, I'll tell them, you you have probably judged more uh, cannabis cups than any other person. You have a, a pretty long and storied history of being a, a judge of, of cannabis and cannabis products, so he comes to the right person with this question when he writes, when judging, generally speaking, can you tell how good the quality of the product is by visually seeing the trichomes, structure, color, smell, and, uh, and other things? So what would you say there to D-Man?
0: Yeah, it sounds like what he's asking is if you can tell, if you can judge the, the flower without actually smoking it. Um, and the truth is that's part of the judging process. So, um, you know, I would say there's, two distinct parts of the process broken down into different uh sections and the first is you know basically pre-smoke and the second is post-smoke or during and post so pre-smoke you you look at the flower and you got to be in, have nice light um use a loop if you can get in there um take a look at the trichomes take a look to make sure there's no bug damage there's no uh burnt leaf tips uh, make sure the trichomes are intact. They're not premature. Uh, they're not, uh, overripe, uh, that they're not all broken off, you know, meaning maybe this bud was tumbled for hash before you, you got it. Um, you take a look at the, uh, the bud structure, uh, the smell, uh, you know, you want to basically be able to cr- crush it a little with your finger and smell, um, uh, a nice you know aroma that's released there uh, then uh, as still part of this process I would grind up a bud uh, and put it on a tray and then smell it after it's been ground because a lot of times there's a, a lot more going on post grind uh, then I roll it up uh, take a dry hit off the joint and you can kind of taste a little bit of what's to come uh, flavor wise uh, with a dry hit then you start the next process but a lot a lot can be determined uh by visuals and uh smell but it's nothing without effect and uh burnability as well very important uh part of the process so once it's lit and you take those first few hits then you know what's the initial onset effect uh how's the 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 flower burning? Is it burning clean to a clean white ash? Um, nice and wispy. Uh, is it—is it like a piece of charcoal that you have to keep relighting over and over? Um, does the flavor shine through even after half of the joint is, is already smoked? Can you still taste it? Does it still uh, burn clean? Uh, so that's really how I judge for the most part um, start to finish. But uh, again, there's a lot that you can tell Prior to lighting up, but uh, effect at the end of the day is going to be the most important factor and uh, burnability as well. And you can't see that until you try it.
1: All right, very good. And just real quick for those who may not know, uh, what do you mean when you say dry hit?
0: Oh, uh, without lighting the joint, just take uh, breathe through the joint like you're taking a hit of it, uh, and you can kind of get an idea uh, of the taste. Uh, It's, you know, just a dry hit, (laughs) Uh, and that gives you an idea before you light it. And then when you light it, you'll get the the true flavor of, you know, the burnt, combusted smoke.
1: All right. Thank you, D-Man. We appreciate it. Let's uh, hop over to Patreon, take a couple questions there. Uh, First one, maybe more of a comment, but it's helpful. It comes from Donna. She writes, I had a medium-sized spider mite problem. The product I used solved the problem in a few days with no recurrence. It's called Mammoth Can Control, a C-A-N-N control. The active ingredients are corn oil and thyme oil. It's been a month, and so far so good. A little leaf burn, but consider the alternative. Uh, you may get sick of hearing this, but the work you do is fantastic. So that comes from Donna. All
0: right, that's great. Thank you, Donna. I appreciate that. Uh, it's a wonderful tip um certainly like you said uh, a little bit of leaf burn is a small price to pay for eradicating a spider mite problem again it's only been a month you said so you're definitely gonna have to keep an eye on things uh and make sure you don't get a recurrence because those uh those little things are very persistent and it only takes a few uh to restart their army so Uh, keep looking you know the underside of the leaves is where to look uh, and you know if you start seeing those little dots little yellow dots on the top of the leaves uh, you know they're under the leaves and if you're seeing webs uh, you then you haven't been looking (laughs) close enough uh, often enough so yeah thank you for the tip donna and uh, keep up the great work and thanks for the kind words as well and the support
1: god damn spider mites um all right so we're running a little long but let's squeeze one more in from patreon this comes from admiral fondle which you know okay uh (laughs) he writes hey guys thanks for all the goodies he's referring to uh, the stuff he got for joining patreon i felt like a kid on christmas opening all the stuff you sent I'm almost caught up on the show, but I have a question I was wondering if Danny had any insight on. My current grow is going to be all organic, and I'm looking at trying to make some clones when I top my plants. I've heard and read about using aloe vera as a cloning agent, but I haven't had any success in finding anyone who has attempted this personally. Do you have any experience with using aloe or do you have any insight about it in general? So what would you say to Admiral Fondle?
0: Yes, uh, thank you for the question. Thanks for the kind words about uh, the goodies. Uh, Just so people know, I think Admiral uh, joined at the $25 per month uh, stage and then we have one. Higher and two lower than that, but at the $25 a month stage, he gets uh, a free signed copy of my book, uh, F- Grow Bud Yourself stickers, uh, a handwritten note from me on Grow Bud Yourself stationery, no less, uh, as well as a quart of sweet leaf uh, nutrients, including their crazy K005 uh, nutrient, as well as, uh, some gear, I believe like either a hat or a t-shirt from them. And yeah, it's a really a great way to support us. So thank you to Admiral Fondle and the other, uh, 60 plus people who are on there. We'd love to get more of you guys. So, um, as far as aloe, uh, for cloning, I have heard of aloe being a great thing, um, you know, to help out with cloning. Uh, I've never personally used aloe for that. I also know that, uh, Willow uh, is a big one like weeping willow. Uh, if you take the, you know, branches of weeping willow and soak them in water, uh, you know, cut them off the tree, obviously, and then soak them, uh, in water. There's a, uh, helpful rooting hormone in there. But for me, honestly, when I'm cloning, I just want to just buy a product, uh, dip it and know that not only is it going to have the, uh, the rooting hormone, but also the fungus, uh, fungicide that helps basically that cut end stay alive before the roots pop out. A lot of what happens with cloning is um, the hormone could be there and it could be basically working on inducing rooting, but at the same time, without the fungicide protecting that cut end of the root uh, of the clone, uh, the cutting, then basically the, the cut end rots. And that whole part that's kind of moist all the time rots and you get dead clones because uh, they had the they had the rooting hormone, but they didn't have the fungicide um, that uh, keeps them alive until the roots pop out. Uh, So for me, you know, 20, 30 bucks for some Olivia's or some some cloning gel of any kind uh, or some powder even. It's worth every penny because I know I'm getting the uh, hormone and the fungal protection as well. Uh, so that's just me. I'm lazy. I don't want to mess around with aloe and, 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 and branches of, uh, of willow when I know I can just uh, I can rely on a decent cloning uh, powder or gel. I like the gel personally better than the powder.
1: All right, so you're not going to go out there hunting down weeping willow trees to uh, to get their branches for the cloning agent. But but it is an interesting question, so thank you for reaching out with it, uh, Admiral. And thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. Uh, you could reach us, of course, by email, and that is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back, and then wrap this up?
0: Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat outcasts' chronic pain. And trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Hey y'all, it is episode 83. This is the wrap. I want to thank Adam Dunn for being our guest on the show. I want to thank our sponsors, Excelsior Extracts, THC Infused Pain Relief Rub, uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, use that code DENKO15 for 15% off. Rocket Seeds, GBY10 for 10% off at RocketSeeds.com. Follow them on Instagram as well, Rocket underscore Seeds. Organic Rev is back, and we are excited about the growth stimulant. The code there is GBY10 for 10% off to rev up your grow room. And our affiliate uh, program with Vapor.com is going on still. Grow Bud Yourself 20 for 20% off everything site-wide at Vapor.com. I uh, want to thank all the Patreon supporters, all the listeners who uh, who have been sending us messages and questions and All of you guys out there who, uh, who, you know, download the show and listen to us and support us, uh, go to patreon.com slash Danny Danko to check out all the stuff you can get for supporting us. Uh, check that out and, uh, yeah, it's a new year. Uh, now's the time to start getting ready for any kind of outdoor situation you're going to be doing. And, uh, if you're indoors, uh, keep that cool air flowing and, uh, keep on growing. We'll be back next week with 84, put 83 in the books.